Uh, my subject has the same um, dearth of the voices of the women whom I'm talking about all the time, but uh, so I have had to, re to, to, to use very much top-down uh, sources such as, as church registers, legislation, and um, church courts, and so on and so forth, but I think we can still get a good picture of what's happening. This is Sophie of Mecklenburg, Mecklenburg, married to King Frederick II of Denmark. And in, um, in April the 12th of April, 1577, she gave birth to a son. They'd been married for five years, and she'd had two daughters already, but this was the son and heir, and he, the king was overjoyed. And as soon as he had assured himself that his beloved Sophie, because it was actually a very happy marriage, that she was okay and the baby was okay, he fixed the date for the christening on the 13th of June. These two dates are important in that it's a span of nine weeks. And if anyone else had waited so long uh, in having their child christened, they would have incurred heavy fines because a child had to be christened within a week if it were healthy. But the king needed to arrange a glittering uh, christening, and he also thereby gave Sophie the chance to actually participate in the christening because otherwise she would not have been able to be there. And this is because of the lying in after childbirth, which was in Denmark set uh, by the church ordinance of 1537 to be between six and seven weeks where the mother was not um, allowed to go out of, of, the, of the home. But so, so um, uh, Sophie had her full lying in, and we know from contemporary records that on Trinity Sunday um, in June, she went and had a holy and exalted purification ritual. Now, this is interesting because uh, the, the person writing this is uh, a theologian, and he uses the expression purification 40 years after the Reformation, but we'll come back to that. Uh, churching is based on Mosaic law, which said that childbirth rendered the mother un unclean. After the birth of a boy, she was unclean for, a, for, a, for seven days and should continue in the purification of a, her blood for another 33 days. And for a girl, it was double up, so we talk 80 days. After that, she should go to the temple, to the entrance of the temple, and be purified and give offer. So we have here a mosaic um, uh, blood pollution uh, rite, which has then been taken into the Christian church. And already here things start to go wrong, because uh, there's the, the biblical interpretation, and there's then the church's interpretation. Um, we uh, have a famous quote from uh, Pope Gregory the, 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 the Great, who was asked around year 600 by an English monk, what to do if a mother comes to church before she has um, uh, fulfilled her whole purification period. And he said, um, the Pope said, I wouldn't bar her from coming in because it is the pleasure of the flesh, not its pain, which is at fault. So to Gregory, this is not so much about blood um, impurity or pollution, it's about sin, sin at conception, sin at lust, basically. But um, he was fairly alone in this, and we have penitentials, early extant penitentials from the 11th century, talking about punishments for women who came too early to church. Also, if they were menstruating, they either were not allowed in at all or had to sit in special places. Uh, now, the, the main differences ran along the lines of the, of, the, of the Western church and the Eastern Orthodox church, which tended to be a lot stricter. This is an old um, prayer from the Orthodox church, which I will read aloud. 
wash away her bodily uncleanness and the stains of her soul in the fulfilling of the 40 days. Make her worthy of the communion. And this is the key because we have, not only is it a question of, of stains on body and soul, churching is about being re-allowed back to communion. That is my interpretation of the ritual. Uh, here we have two uh, very rare illustrations of um, pre-Reformation churchings. Uh, as you can see, let's block pollution again, because the, the mother is being churched outside the church. The priest is coming out to her. She is <coughs> she's holding on the left, she's holding a long wax taper in her hand. This is highly symbolic, highly important, because it symbolized that she was now being readmitted back into God's light from having been out of it since childbirth. She's also being sprinkled, as you can see, with aqua benedicta, with holy water. And then the priest takes her hand to lead her into the church. This is why in Danish, uh, churching is also called leading in or inleading in German Einleitung, because this was such an important part of the ritual. On the right, the same thing goes on. She doesn't have the candle yet, because sometimes she was given it when she came in. But she's been given a snippet of his stole, of the priest's stole, rather than uh, his hand. And it seems to have been a social um, uh, mar marker or difference as to if, if you were highborn, as she clearly is on the left, you were led in by hand. If not, you had to make do with the stone. So once inside, we must imagine this mother coming with her candle. It's called a solemn churching, and it, indeed it was a solemn churching, uh, going with the priest and going up to the altar. And there she would also give, give offer with her, um, with her, what's called her guard of honor, that is those women uh, who had helped her at birth and, and who were now helping her at the church in. We have a rare testimony, one woman voice, <laughs> from the uh, 15th century Marjorie Kemp who said she was moved to tears every time she, she saw a mother being churched. She actually saw the Virgin Mary being churched over and over again. She's referring, of course, to Luke's gospel where Mary is being churched 40 days after the birth of Jesus. Come the Reformation, there's this impurity problem again. Uh, surely it was discussed, a childbirth could not possibly render impure, so what use a purification? Yet um, opinions were um, divided, so one looked to Germany and there they were certainly divided as well. And it's interesting that the Brandenburg um, um, uh, church ordinance actually abolished churching altogether. But then there was a range for, for some who kept a sort of an adapted ritual and those who kept it almost intact. So Christian III, new on the throne, throne um, was not so much help. So the result was that the Danish church um, uh, ordinance was extremely vague. Women were now free of Mosey law. They did not need to be churched. Uh, but they should still keep their lying in six to seven weeks because um, although they were not any longer to believe they belonged to the devil, we all know that they were more tempted by the devil than uh, anyone else. So it was a sort of wishy-washy thing. And only after four months, the king himself went against his own order and saying, I will no longer tolerate the abuse, he used that word, uh, that women are not being churched. So it was now mandatory again. But it was never taken into the church ordinance with the result that you had two uh, parallel legislation throughout history, which, which was the start of, of endless uh, contestation. So what, how was a new, the Lutheran churching in Denmark? Um, as you can see here, 
This is a painting from 1860, but it follows minutely instructions that we have from, uh, from the 16th and the 17th uh, century. And I would say, initially, not a lot changed, because this is a choreography of sin. Because uh, the mother was told, literally told, to go to the church door, but stand in the porch of the church. And the priest was told to stand inside the church, facing her across the door opening and churching her across the door opening. So she is on profane ground and he is on sacred ground. There's very much still a language of sin. Whereas, say, in England, this was abandoned in 1552. We kept it in Denmark till the mid middle of the 18th century. Um, what should change, though, was that all papist requisites such as the candle, holy water, incense, all that had to go. And what should certainly go was the churching of dead mothers. And now we come to the salvation thing again. Because the fear was so great that if you died before you'd been churched, uh, that you would end in purgatory and stay there. So this was a very difficult uh, custom to stamp out. And uh, actually, the priest could lose his job by, 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 by doing it. And even so, I found an entry in a 1666 parish register where the, the, the priest, uh, Pastor Monson, has no qualms in writing, I received four skilling, four shilling for churching Johannes, whose coffin they carried to the altar and whom he churched, uh, um, even though she was dead. So uh, uh, there was clearly a resistance to let go of, of old customs, but I don't think just on behalf of the clergy, I think very much also on behalf of the mothers. And to better understand this, we must look at the other component of churching, and that is the, the lying in. Because if she had survived this, this, this birth, which was scary enough, then medical wisdom helped what it could to keep her frightened. Because Galenic medicine, which reigned till middle of 18th century, certainly in the least, said that everything to do with the postpartum female body was bad. The blood was bad, the placenta was despicable, the colostrum, which is the first milk a mother produces and which we now know is highly nutritious, she was told to throw that out because it was believed it was produced by menstrual blood and so it was bad. So I think a lot of mothers must have thought, gosh, I've got to get out of this as, as, far as, I, as fast as I can and heal as fast as I can. And I have found uh, not a Reformation record, but a late 18th century record of a woman who went to a priest in Jutland, and she'd had a lot of, of, of ch children, and the priest noted that she was almost crazy with nerves and very ill. So she said, I want an old-fashioned churching. I'm sure that this will heal me. And he, he, uh, he took her through it, and she took to it in an almost sort of uber-Catholic way. She held on to his cassock, and she kneeled all the time, even though it wasn't allowed. And when she came out of the church, the priest noted she was perfectly restored. So, placebo effect or not, for her, this was a magic ritual which worked. But there were other dangers in the lying in. Uh, I come across the word heathen all the time. One of the many expressions for the lying in was lying heathen, lying without the church. And the mother is calling a heathen woman. And if man and wife had sex together during this period, it was uh, feared, and this is not just Denmark, um, uh, that the, uh, the, the, the result would be um, that they had children with leprosy or monst monstrous children or, or even twins, God forbid. 
So, um, uh, and, the, uh, and the unbaptized infant boy is also called he the boy, and I'm sort of asking myself, why? A lot of it is, of course, protection, because the, 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 the woman is, should not work or should not um, uh, admit her husband to, to her bed. And this is, of course, protection, but there is more to it than that. And I've thought about, as well, who else could not take communion. She is now outside, she cannot take communion. The only other persons who can't take communion are sinners. And they are called heathens under the wrath of God. And I'm sort of asking myself whether there's connection there as well. But this needs a lot more unpacking and I'd be really happy to hear your comments about that afterwards. Uh, the unchurched mother and the unbaptized child had a lot in common. As I said before, the, 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 the child, the unbaptized child was called a heathen man. And even in the church ordinance, they say, oh, he, he will still, a child will, will not lose salvation by dying before it's baptized. But they still call it to die heathen. And here we have on your left, we have a churching room in a Norwegian church from the, from the 17th century. This is where the churching mothers should wait till the priest came down to church them. And on your right, you have um, Danish baptismal font. And what they have in common is that both are placed near the entrance. Again, there's this language of, 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 of impurity. They, they're kept as, as far away from sacred space as possible. Uh, and the, the, and another, uh, last fact I would say about, I will say about the lying in is that, again, this fear of the devil. Because I think the church, more than that, that calmed them, they actually made them more worried. And on top of this, uh, we have ample texts that say they feared e evil spirits, gremlins, trolls, whatever. They feared that their child would be taken away by evil spirits and, and exchanged with a changeling, so they had um, lucky charms in their bed to avoid all this. So uh, it was a, a situation best get gotten out of as soon as possible. But it would be wrong to say that everything is misery in the lying in, because <laughs> it certainly wasn't. If you could afford it, the mother would have the best bed She would be in the house. She would uh, be dressed up when she had visitors, only female visitors. Only her husband and very close relatives, uh, male relatives could be let in, otherwise only females. So um, it was also a time for conspicuous consumption. Uh, and the, the husband might even hire a maid. We, I read this many times. But what I've never read is, what did the mother do who could not afford this? Because she couldn't, the, the washerwoman couldn't possibly afford not to work for six or seven weeks. And, and, and this comes at the end of, 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 a, of the birth and of the christening, which also cost, and they also had the fees to the church. So there's a great element of economy in this as well. But come the day, that the, the lying over was, was at its end. The Dane woman, that is a virtuous married woman, would be taken to church by her guard of honor, two by two, like a wedding train, her in front. And she would then wait out in the, in the porch, church porch, whilst um, the congregation would sing a churching hymn. This is a rare hymn board I saw in Funen, where they still have a slot for Kirkegangskolen, that is the churching mother's hymn. And then when she came in, she was the focus of attention. If you think of it, we had, uh, churchings was as common as, as, as christenings and weddings or whatever, but this was a ritual only for the mother, not even the child figures in there, uh, which is quite strange. So, so this was a day where she was publicly honored for having procured a child within matrimony. 
Not so the whore. The whore is basically everyone from the unmarried mother to a prostitute. And Peter Pelagius, a famous uh, um, reformer and first bishop of, evangelical bishop of, uh, of, of Zealand, bellowed, whore shall not be churched by any priest. The devil can church them as far as I concern, I'm concerned, for there must be made a difference between, between Dane women and such scum. Uh, but even Peter Pelagius realized some 20 years later that um, uh, he could not be quite as harsh, so he allowed that some women might get a churching if they went through public confession first. So this is the handout I've given you. We have two routes uh, back to communion. The Dane woman goes through the, uh, the churching, the solemn churching. The poor unmarried mother has a lot of much less appealing options. And first is the public confession. Now, this was scripted. We have a script from 1629, the church discipline um, uh, ordinance, saying how the mother, or it, it could also be a man, but in this case it's the mother, would stand in front of everyone. This is on a Sunday. This is in a local church. She knows everyone. She's on her knees, and the priest must announce. This is as per, as per the, um, uh, the uh, ordinance, had despicable sin. There was, a, of course, sort of 90%, I think, was meant to be humiliating. But there was also, first of all, um, or secondly, there was, a, there was this wish that she should uh, uh, repent, that she should be redeemed. But it, the reason that the congregation is taken into all this is also that one person's sin is everybody's sin. So it was important for them to, to actually witness that she did, did uh, um, repent. And then afterwards, she could be, uh, she could be allowed to communion. But as far as the church was concerned, there was neither need nor any reason for her to be churched after that because the road back to communion had already been established. If she was a recidivist, then things go a lot worse. I won't go into it today, but there's a whole buffet of punishments for, 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 for mothers who, um, who had um, several child's, children after wed, out of wedlock. I have one, a very rare example of Martha who was actually churched even though she had this child out of wedlock. And this is probably because her lover was noble. This is down in uh, Norborg in southern Jutland. And the priest does take Martha to public confession on a Sunday in Norborg church, in her town church. But as for her lover, Christen Grube, he writes that he goes to the castle and he takes private confession from him. Now this is not according to the law, but on the other hand, most crimes could be converted to fines, and we must assume that he probably, that Gruber probably paid handsome for the service, handsomely. And I think this is also why Martha was subsequently given a churching, because we can read a few weeks later that on a Friday, a poorly visited Friday in Lent, she's given a very quiet churching uh, with no guard of honor, and she's made to pay three times the normal fee for this service. So um, if you didn't have a rich lover like she had, we, we have examples of mothers who try to go to another parish, unmarried mothers, to go to another parish to be churched, even though this was illegal. Or they might even just stay close to a virtuous mother to glean a little of her blessing uh, at her churching. And one must ask oneself, why? So why was even a meager churching better than none? Was it, was it still because of the fear of, of lack of salvation, or was it, was it to be healed? Was it um, spiritually at all, or was it 
perhaps a tiny bit as well to say, okay, I got a church. It might not have been a perfect one, but I got one like my virtuous sisters. I will conclude by saying that we all, we all know that Luther thought marriage, um, sort of the cornerstone of society, marriage should be supported. And I hope I have shown that I think churching did just that. It raised the virtuous mother, it showed her in all her glory, and it shamed the non-virtuous mother by withholding the churching. So it was a very powerful tool. And so long as, as churching was desirable, it remained so. And we, we know that from the end of the 16th century and well into the 17th century, churching was observed by everyone who could. But I will finish by saying I think that churching wouldn't have been such a, an effective power tool if it hadn't been for the layers of interpretation that women themselves added to the ritual. Thank you very much.